Shut up and sit down. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. A guy like me should never be allowed to get in here in the first place. I know that. Either I'm dead right or I'm crazy. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. There's only one person in the world who decides what I'm going to do, and that's me. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Good to be the king. Everyone, welcome to another episode of The Kevin King Show. Today, I have on a longtime friend and very, very special guest that you have probably heard. Um, actually, you may never have heard of him. He's, he's not, very, uh, not very popular, uh, but I, I kid. Tyler Crawley is with me, my co-host from Tavern Voices and from Right on Campus back in the day and Right on Campus After Hours. And, um, and then, of course, of the Tyler Crawley Show uh, broadcasting in southeastern North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, I appreciate it. Glad we got the band back together again. We can do some new stuff, maybe some old stuff. It's going to be a good time. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was preparing for this is that you have actually never been on anything that is considered my show. That is true. And I was wondering how that, I, I was wondering how that felt for you. Um, it's all right. It's a little bit of an ego check, but as I always say, that's the uh, benefit of having true friends is they keep your ego in check. So, uh, I consider this a, um, like I said, an ego check. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Keep, keeps me in line. Hey, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I really do. Cause it's always been, you know, a show that we've done together or I've been on your show a couple of times yeah. in various formats. So it, it's kind of cool. Now I'm in charge. And um, we'll see how you respond to that, but, but I, I'm sure it won't be too bad. But the whole reason that I wanted to have you on is that we've talked a lot over the last couple of years about how things have changed since we first got into the talk radio form uh, format about, gosh, nine or nine or 10 years ago now at this point. 2009. And yeah, it's time, time is flying by. <laughs> and I feel like everything has changed so dramatically in that short, short period of time. And I wanted to get your perspective on what it's like being on the other end of the media, because I think a lot of us always, you know, either we listen to talk radio or TV shows and we, we have an opinion about the host, but what is it like being in your shoes when you are putting your opinion out there and there's a very heated political climate that then you have to respond to? Well, it's weird because, you know, so I'm in a local market like a mid market, I guess is what it's called. Uh, so, you know, I'm not like in DC or, you know, New York, but I'm not like in a super small market. So it's kind of weird because yeah, I do, you know, reach however many tens of thousands of people I reach in a month, but I still look up to like other talk show hosts and, you know, I'll still tweet at them or, you know, I, I still don't look at it as I'm like, you know, equal with them. And so I'm, I'm like in the business, but I'm not at the same time where I don't have, you know, the influence that a Fox News host would have or a nationally syndicated person. So it's kind of weird where I'm just like in between because I still kind of geek out uh, where if I have the opportunity to, you know, meet someone that I look at as like, oh, man, that guy has a great career. Uh, like I still I still know what it's like to be a fan while simultaneously having people that listen to my show. So it's kind of like a weird place because I'm kind of like in this like limbo place 
where I'm, you know, some people look at me and go, oh, you have a radio show. So people listen to you and, you know, your opinion matters. But at the same time, I look at other people like that. And so it's, it's kind of weird. And maybe everyone is like that. I mean, I, I know that, you know, people who are tops and, you know, top you know, radio show hosts and, and uh, TV hosts, I'm sure they have people that they idolize when they were coming up. So maybe it's always you feel that way. But to me, it's kind of weird because I still kind of geek out and am a fan. And then people will write to me and go, oh, I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. I, you know, because you kind of forget like, oh, that's right. People listen to me, too. So I'm kind of in this weird place, it feels like. But maybe it's always like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I can remember the first time. Well, I say the first. I think it was the only time anyone ever recognized us when we were in college. <laughs> when we were uh, down on Riceful Beach. And, and it's kind of cool because you don't think about it. You're just kind of yeah. like, yeah, we just do this thing that we do. And other people look at it and say, that's pretty cool. Well, it's it's weird because um, at, after a while, even though I love the show, I love what I do. Um, yeah, I wouldn't change anything. It's still every every once in a while turns into like a job. You know, one of my favorite commercials of all time was there was a uh, it was a professional golf commercial. And Steve Elkington was, you know, talking about his dedication to his job as a professional golfer. And he said, you know, every day I hit 10,000 drivers and 5,000 five irons and, and 10,000 wedges and 5,000 putts, uh, all so that one day I can retire and do what I really want to do, and that's play golf. Because to him, golf would become a job. But he really what he wants to do is he wants to go out there and not have to worry about every shot and just have fun playing golf. And sometimes even when you're doing what you love, it turns into a job. And so, you know, every day I go into work and I do the show and sometimes it gets a little monotonous and you just kind of forget that like, oh, wow, people are listening and everything. And like all the people that run into me, I was in the ABC store the other day, shocker. And the lady in front of me, when the guy asked me how to say my last name and I was like, Crawley. And she was like, Tyler. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh, now I recognize the voice. Oh, my gosh. And it's just so funny because you just kind of forget like, oh, yeah, I, I do something that people in town listen to. Uh, and so you just sort of forget because it sometimes it gets it turns into like a regular job and you forget that, you know, my cubicle is a microphone that other people listen to and don't look at it kind of the same way. But even if you're doing what you love every once in a while, it does turn into work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And kind of down that same vein, I want to, uh, I want to ask you what you do to, even if it does feel like a job sometimes, what do you do to keep yourself fresh? And the reason I ask this is that a lot of people in our new digital age, um, they are content creators now, right? Even if it's just a yeah. well thought out Facebook post or they have their own blog, um, whether amateur or they're trying to be a professional blogger or they have a podcast like some people, you know, um, what, what, what do you do to, to say, I'm not, I don't want to just do the same old thing every day. I want to bring something new and exciting to the medium I'm working in. Well, due to the fact that mine's like a news program or a current affairs program, uh, the benefit is that there's always something new happening. And so it's not like the, it's not like if I was doing a podcast or like a, um, like a, or a, or a radio show that focused on, you know, one thing, like it was, let's say it was just golf that, you know, after a while you'd have to make sure that you weren't talking about the same thing kind of over and over again. With the benefit of doing a current affairs show is that the news cycle kind of dictates what you're talking about. And that um, sort of keeps everything fresh and new. And, and yeah, sometimes issues, you know, like gun control can sometimes go along, you know, go on for a little too long. But that does make it uh, beneficial. But the one thing that I do 
is I try and go back and, you know, watch people who I admire, like Imus today was his last show. Um, you know, he, he's, he's ending his radio show that's run for, I don't know, you know, 30, 40 years, something like that. And I'll go back and watch old Imus shows that are on YouTube. Uh, or I'll go back and listen to like old Rush Limbaugh programs just because, and actually I miss more because he does a morning show and morning talk is a little different than talk throughout the rest of the day. Uh, but it's just kind of fascinating to go back and just see like what they're doing um, versus what I'm doing and try and aspire to, to do what they're doing because they're the best. And so that's something that I do. And then I also try and look at what the, what the new uh, kind of up and comers are doing, you know, like Ben Shapiro, for example, like what's Ben Shapiro doing? Um, because he's kind of looking at sort of the future of talk. And so that way I kind of balance it. I go, what you know, did Imus used to do? And then I look, OK, what is Ben Shapiro doing? And I try and say, OK, I want to I want to do some kind of like hybrid of that. But it's constantly, you know, reminding yourself also that because one of the problems that you can run into is it's a very egotistical job and it's like all about me. And you got to be careful to remember that it's about you, but it's also about your listeners and the service that you're providing. Uh, and it's also about knowing what it is that makes your show sort of special. I think what makes my show good um, is I like to be current. I like to make sure I'm talking about stories that are, you know, happening right then and there. So people know what the big stories are and that I'm getting good information. And so, I'm not sending out wrong, you know, fake news, as I guess we would call it nowadays, that I'm putting things out there that aren't correct. Uh, and, it, and the analysis that I'm using I, I, is good. And I try and get I try and make sure I read both sides. So when I pick a side and I see what the other side's saying, I can go, here's why that's wrong. And so that's really what I do to try and make sure that the show is good. Um, but really, it's just about rem rem reminding yourself that you are doing a show and it's about the listeners more than yourself, which can get kind of difficult sometimes. I want to touch on the listener part. I'm going to save that for just a second and ask one more part about um, what you just mentioned when you're talking about your heroes, Don Imus, uh, Rush Limbaugh, up and comers, Ben Shapiro. Um, when you look at what they do, how, how do you balance kind of adapting what they do into your style versus copying them or saying, or do you ever just say, Hey, they do this segment. that's really, it seems to really work for them or, or that I really enjoy. And you just copy it wholesale. Ha. Well, the, one of the benefits is that, you know, you go back and I watch you know, old Dynamis programs um, that were like on C-SPAN, for example, he, you know, was syndicated on, on, um, uh, MSNBC for a long time and then Fox business, but it's fun to go back and watch the C-SPAN ones. Cause that's pure radio. Like it's in the radio studio. And what's funny is how many people are working on that show. So it's like him, he's got his news guy. He's got sports guy that comes in. They got a traffic person that comes in. They got his producer. They got people in the back and technology was a lot different back then. You needed to have more people, but so now it's just me. So there's not a lot that I could actually copy or copy what I does because he had so many people. There's no way I could replicate that because, you know, it's, it's him talking and interacting the entire show with this cast of characters that I just don't have available to me. So, and then, and then the benefit is that morning radio is kind of more like that. And then the rest of the day you have sort of the individual show, which is like the Rush Lamal, Mark Levin, kind of Michael Savage, all of that stuff. And so I never, and, and that's actually a problem that you can run into. And I'll find myself doing that. It's why, you know, people always ask me how much talk radio I listen to. And I say, not that much, because one of the big fears 
is one, you'll hear someone say something, forget that they said it and then think it was your idea and then think you're all brilliant and go on the air and talk about it. And then two, you can actually start mimicking unbeknownst to yourself, uh, your host, like the way he talks, the cadence and everything else. And so I try to not listen too much uh, because I don't want to find myself doing that where I start copying these guys. And then I sort of end up in a situation where I don't have a personality and all I am is whatever the last show I watched was, is who I end up emulating. And so that is one of the things I try and I, I try and make sure, but yeah, radio's changed so much that watching the old stuff, you really can't copy it because just how much more people that they had. Uh, and because I do morning radio, it's hard for me to even say, you know, copy what someone else is doing because morning radio is a little different with the time constraints and other things. So it's kind of weird that I'm in this like space where there aren't a lot of people doing what I'm doing. So I really can't copy anyone uh, entirely because their formats are different than what I'm doing. That, that makes perfect sense. And I think that uh, obviously you've thought a lot about it. Uh, you're, you're very intentional <laughs> with some of your habits so that you are, you are, you know, trying to do your own thing. And, um, you know, I want to then now circle back to what you were talking about as far as the show. It's very easy for it to be all about you and you have to keep your audience in mind because ultimately they're consuming what you're, you're putting out. So you want people to Mm. want it. Um, so how do you balance that in an environment that is so hyper political now? And I want to put that against kind of when you and I started out together we were on a conservative talk radio station in the midst of the Tea Party rising that I, I feel like everyone wanted to hear what we were saying. I don't feel like we had many listeners who said, well, you guys are idiots. Yeah. I feel like now the conservative movement has split into so many different areas. At least you have the traditional Republicans and then you have the Tea Party and then you have the Trump people who some are in the Tea Party, some are not in the Tea Party. Um, You know, how do you balance what they are wanting when it can really be completely opposite things? Well, interestingly enough, the way I've always sort of formatted my show, at least this is my goal. Now, will I actually achieve this? Um, I don't know. And one of the problems that we have with Wilmington, where I am, we don't have ratings. So I don't know if I'm accomplishing this or not because we have nothing to to be able to verify this Uh, other than people tell me they listen or they don't listen. And that's just not, you know, it's it's you know, that's why they have ratings. So you can figure these things out. Doing sort of anecdotal evidence is never good. But the one thing that I always liked and, you know, it's interesting. I want to bring up Russian and um, uh, Don Imus again, is that Don Imus never had a gigantic audience. I mean, it was big, but. The, the king of talk radio has always been Rush. You know, the godfather, as Neil Borch used to call him. And Rush, I think, had 20 million people probably at peak listening to a show. Uh, and I miss, it wasn't on as many stations, but he never had the audience size that Rush had. But I miss used to be able to charge three times, uh, three times more than what Rush did for advertising spots because the people that listened to a show were tended to be uh, you know, they tended to have, uh, they were higher, they had, they had more education, uh, they made more money, uh, they tended to be more influential. And so, you know, hitting that demo was valuable to, you know, companies that are going to spend money. So if you're, you know, Charles Schwab, or if you're marketing a new political book, you're going to advertise on IMAS because that's exactly who you want to hit. And to me, I've always said, that's kind of what I would want. 
where I would, you know, I don't necessarily want the biggest audience, but I want to have the best audience. And I want to be able to talk about things that maybe other talk show hosts don't talk about and get into, you know, I, I, I get a big kick out of, and this morning on my show, I actually had an uh, economist on from UNCW and we sort of dove into the, you know, budget deficit and why that was a problem. We talked about economic theories and, and, you know, some people might say, Hey, you're getting into the weeds and you're going to lose maybe some more casual listeners. And to me, I'm okay with that because I want people to be able to feel like that we're having a good in-depth conversation on the air. Uh, and it's not to say like, Oh, I'm so smart. and I want to have a smart program. It's actually the exact opposite. I want to have a smart program because I want to learn on the air. Cause a lot of times these guys I get on, I don't know. They don't necessarily agree with me uh, about, you know, my theories on economics and their theories, but I think it's a good way to have a good debate on the air and that information out there. And so, yeah, if I lose a more casual sort of listener, someone that's not interested in maybe more debt, that's fine because that's the you know beauty of, of the medium is there's a show for people out there that want that. And so I've always sort of looked at it as who is my perfect listener and that's who I'm trying to attract. And then I want to make sure I do a show that represents that because, yeah, you can feel pressure. I mean, there's no doubt that you mentioned the fractured community. Uh, and I get a lot of, lot of, maybe not a lot, but I get a good amount of hate mail because I'm not, you know, full blown Trump. And I'm never going to be full blown Trump. And you know, it's my show and that's my opinion. That's kind of the way the show works. And yeah, it could be easy. It was funny. There was, I posted a, a story on Facebook not long ago that was defending Trump in that it was, I think it was like defending. I can't remember what it was. I, th- I think it was defending uh, him against Stormy Daniels, something about the NDA or, or something like that. And, you know, I do that from time to time. I mean, if Trump's right on something, I'll, I'll give him credit for it. And I got boatload of responses, uh, probably the, the, the most comments I've ever gotten on a post, almost you know, 10, I think it was like 10, 11,000 people saw it. And I could have been like, oh my gosh, so if I just do all pro Trump stuff, I'm going to, you know, get all these people listening and everything else. But I don't want to do that because to me, that's not what I'm trying to accomplish, but it's hard sometimes to risk that temptation because I could do that. And I think that that's something that I think is maybe actually hurting the medium is that more people are doing that. And I think there's going to be a reckoning um, at some point because maybe there might not be, but it's, I think a lot of people are doing that. People that were formerly maybe anti-Trump or now soften their position uh, for advertising and other purposes, which I get, but I just don't want to ever have to be in that position. Well, how do you balance that when you are talking about, ultimately, it is about advertisers who want an audience and who, um, you know, we've seen the print medium that shifted to online, obviously, uh, move to clickbait. I mean, reputable news sources. Now, if you go to your local newspaper website, it's like an adult website. There's just a bunch of pop-ups. You're afraid you're going to get a virus. And I'm like, I'm literally trying to read a local news article. It's, It's just awful because they're competing to, to make money to stay afloat. Um, so, I mean, how, how do you balance that? I mean, I, I know part of your answer was that you want a, 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 a strong, solid core audience. Um, but, but do you feel the pressures to, 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 to just appeal to the masses? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the thing is, is that it's, it's interesting because being in a mid market that doesn't have ratings, which there's a benefit and a negative to that. You know, the, ben- the negative is we don't know how we're doing. The benefit is we don't know how we're doing. So I could have lost half my audience 
and we have no idea. Uh, so the only thing we can go off is advertisers who advertise with me. And as long as they keep getting a response and keep you know buying back up, that's really all we have to go on. And, and you know we haven't really seen any mass exodus where people all of a sudden say they were getting a response and now they're not. So I don't think it's been a huge problem. But I don't know if that would be the same case if I wasn't a big market because one of the benefits of being in a smaller market is you're kind of under the radar. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I work for, you know, Cumulus and I guarantee you that Mary Burner, the CEO of Cumulus has no idea who I am <laughs> and, and she doesn't know who most radio personalities, but I bet she does know the guys in New York and the guys in LA and maybe the guys in DC. And so in that case, because those, you know, those are big markets. Those are the cash cows. Those are the ones that you're going to see a lot of revenue, a lot of spending, a lot of, I mean, just that those are the big markets. They get all the attention. I don't know. I mean, if I was in one of those markets and they were like, Hey, you know, you've lost 30, 40% of your audience since you've gone against Trump, you're going to have to either tone that down uh, or we're gonna have to let you go. I don't know. I don't know what would happen. Um, but like I said, we haven't really seen any, any disruption in our market, at least with regards to advertisers and we don't have ratings. So I don't know. And so I th- and so I don't like I said, I don't blame some of these other guys because they are in big markets or they're syndicated. And I'm sure that when they were kind of standing against Trump, they were getting some backlash. And it's a business at the end of the day. And it's this weird business because there's ideology involved and then there's the business side of it. And you need to kind of decide, you know, what's more important to you. And the reality is, is that, yeah, some people choose. That, listen, there's a lot of people that have chose ideology. Uh, Charlie Sykes comes to example, who quit his show. I was reading something the other day about a local host somewhere. I think it was, um, I think it was somewhere in the Midwest. He quit his show because he was anti-Trump. And so some people are going that route and others are, are I think, kind of um, having to sell out. Hate to use that term, but that's kind of what they're doing. Uh, and luckily, I don't have to make that decision. And so I don't know if it's because maybe I'm better um, and I'm not, not better, you know, with regards to my show's better, but maybe my anti-Trump isn't as obvious as these other hosts were. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but I luckily by being in a smaller market, don't really have to kind of deal with that ultimate decision, which I don't know what would happen if I had to do that. Well, as we have seen with the, as I mentioned earlier, um, the environment has changed a lot, not only politically, but technologically. Uh, 10 years ago, a lot of people still listened to tr- terrestrial radio. And there was talk about movement to, you know, the shift to even hearing your terrestrial stations online was something that took several years. And a lot of stations were reluctant to that. And, um, you know, even blogs were something that people hadn't really heard of. Now, as I mentioned, with uh, the availability to, to post your own, to post your own thoughts, whether it be on a, a well-done blog or a podcast or, or what have you, how have you had to shift what you do on a daily basis? Um, if, if anything at all, I mean, has it changed your behaviors as not only politics has changed, but technology has as well. You mean with regards to the online presence? I, I mean, yeah, you know, instead of just saying, firing up the microphone and talking every day and, and relying on an audience that was largely in their car or sitting at work, listening to a radio, you know, I feel like the audience has, has moved where they are. Has that affected what you have to do? Well, what's weird about radio is that, you know, the, I guess the demise of radio has been uh, exaggerated many a times, you know, when TV came out, they said, oh, that's it. Radio's done. 
And when the internet came out, they said, oh, that's it. The radio is done. But if you actually look at the, the numbers, uh, radio is still the most sampled medium by the community as a whole. I think in most communities, it's like 93% of people at some point, like during a week, will listen to the radio. And no other medium has that. I mean, with the cord cutting that's going on, TV's changing, uh, local paper is changing. But radio, because it's in the car, and even though if you have Bluetooth and everything else, it's still just so much easier to just turn on the radio and, you know, the station's ready to go, that that we benefit from that. Uh, so radio actually has not been influenced. The, the, real, the real issue has probably been more with regards to revenue, where – you know, back in the day, you'd buy radio, you'd buy newspaper, you'd buy TV, and that's still true. But now you're also buying web space, you're buying Facebook ads, you're buying podcast ads, and so the the amount of money you can charge per spot has dropped. But I don't think you've seen a gigantic move away uh, like you have in, say, you know, papers and TV. Uh, now we've seen a drop. I'm not saying that we haven't seen a drop. We've definitely seen a drop just because there's so many options out there, but radio is actually, I think done a little better, but yeah, I mean, we're going to see a shift at some point. I mean, it's, it's already kind of happening and I, you know, upload my show every day. I cut all the commercials out and upload it podcast style. Um, I, you know, interviews, I post those on SoundCloud. Uh, I, you know, I try and obviously I'm active on Twitter and Facebook. And so, you know, that's changed. Uh, you know, email, all those things, but you haven't seen, I think the major disruption uh, that you've seen in other places, other than just revenue has dropped off, but still a lot of people listen to radio. Uh, and I think it, it, it's, it's always going to be that way for a while until streaming or Wi-Fi becomes like way more uh, uh, accessible. Cause there's still a lot of people that don't have that in their car, don't have a smartphone, things like that. And who and, and we just recently saw smartphone sales for the first time ever decline. And so I don't know what that means going forward. So there's a lot of ifs, but there's been some disruption, but I don't, I actually think radio's fared better uh, than some of the other business models out there and some of the other mediums. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's interesting because I don't know that I would have thought that um, necessarily, but that does make a lot of sense that um, it's still the most accessible medium. I mean, you don't have to have any sort of means to listen to the radio. It's definitely a, a major equalizer when it, when it comes to, to news and music and, and everything else. You don't have to have a, a smartphone and a data plan and a, uh, you know, a Spotify account to, uh, well, and, and, to get it. And I do want to say is I'm on AM, and so that's a little different. Like I think I don't know how much longer AM has, um, but I think FM talk uh, is doing better. But yeah, AM, uh, you talk to most young people, they don't even know what AM radio is. So AM radio, I think, might be – might be on its last leg. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But the overall radio industry, and then if you move talk to FM, I think that it's some of the what, – what's the famous quote? The um, You've got to be more specific than that. Is it the Mark Twain <laughs> one where it's like the, uh, the reports of my demise have been greatly oh, exaggerated? Yes, yes. Uh, the, something like that. The reports of my it's, death are greatly exaggerated. Yes, yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think, yes, radio is going to face problems. You know, podcasting is obviously becoming this just gigantic force. But I still think there's a big difference between radio, live radio, on the air, live, and podcasting. 
And what I think we're going to start seeing is sort of a hybrid maybe of that. Uh, but as of right now, I think radio's not doing too bad. I mean, you've seen major staff cuts. Like I said, you know, it's just me. I, I run my own board. I run the website. I do all my things myself. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think technology has allowed that to happen. And so that's been a disruption. But I think overall, I think radio is actually going to have more lasting power than I think paper and TV. Yeah, I mean, I also tend to agree with you on that being that, um, you know, I've gravitated back to radio probably more than I have in the last 10 years, to be honest. Um, you know, just with the cost that comes associated with streaming something all the time um, or having to go through the trouble of downloading it ahead of time and putting it on during the commute. And also uh, a lot of the benefits that you do get is, you know, when you're on the air in the morning, when something breaks, you hear about it then that doesn't happen with a pre-recorded format. Yeah. Um, and, and then also just traffic and, and, um, you know, any sort of, of current up to the minute information as far as even just local sound clips in the commercial break. Um, so I, th- I think you're safe for a little while, but what would you say if you could look into a crystal ball and see where is, uh, you know, where is talk radio going? You touched on it briefly saying that you, you maybe think a, a hybrid model, um, but just just between not only the technology, but the political environment, I mean, do you think that the the big shows like Hannity and Levin, um, you know, Limbaugh is obviously not going to be on the air forever. Um, you know, where, where's it going? What are what are people going to be doing to engage? Because I don't think our generation engages with talk radio the way, um, you know, the Tea Party 50 year old plus does. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because there is a story that I read in the trades today and I guess it came out yesterday about Ben Shapiro, who I mentioned earlier, uh, is going to be, he does a podcast every day. And now it's the podcast is going to be played on some of, I think it's Cumulus's major stations. Uh, and I think some pretty prime slots, I think five o'clock. And then I think uh, maybe a little later in the day and some others. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, I still think what ESPN does with radio with on their ESPN two, where they basically just play like radio shows all day and they, they uh, simulcast it on TV. Like I think Dan Patrick, what Dan Patrick does is pretty amazing. Like that's where I think we could go because essentially what you're doing is you're combining two formats, um, doing the same thing and it works on both. And that way you can still have it. Cause I, I think in order to do a good radio show, in order to do a good TV show, you need to have a staff. And so the problem is, is that, you just can't afford it. But if you combine formats, then you can combine resources. And so the TV and radio station can combine forces and say, Hey, we can, we can um, pool our money together and then we can have a staff. And that, that way the show's better both on radio and on TV. And I think that something like that, I think is going to work uh, because I think that, like I said, Dan Patrick does a good job of it. Um, a lot of the ESPN shows do that like Colin Coward and, uh, Dave Ramsey sort of has that as well. And to me, I think that's sort of with the future because then you can stream it, you can watch it on TV, you can listen to it on the radio. And so and it works in all formats. And so that way, the people that still listen to the radio, they can listen. The people that still watch TV can watch it, the people that are on the internet. And so it, 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 it benefits because the biggest problem that you have is if you're only on one, the reason that market share is dropped in radio and TV and everywhere else is because there's so many other options out there. But if you're on all of them, then you can pick up all those people. And so to me, I think, like I said, so I think what Dan Patrick does 
could be the future and it would remain lucrative because the issue that you're running into is that it's just not, there's, you know, there's not the, the hundred million dollar contracts that rush used to get. And because it doesn't exist, people that have talent might choose to go somewhere else and do something else. And so that hurts radio and hurts TV and hurts whatever format that person doesn't go and end up doing. And so I think some sort of hybrid is sort of um, is sort of what you want to see. But I think the live component, though, because I, I I I personally love, and that's what I always loved about talk radio, was that I used to, you know I was a member of Rush Limbaugh's site, and I used to get the biggest kick out of watching him do his radio show. And I'm like, he's doing this show right now. I'm listening to him, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I think the live component is important, especially for morning what I do, because that's when all the stories break. And you kind of set the, the the opinion of the day. There have been times where I've talked about something, and at night I tune in, and Mark Levin, who you know is on from seven to nine, he's still talking about it. And so I said, "Man, that story's still being talked about." But if I can lay the groundwork in the morning, as a morning show is supposed to do, that person can then feel informed going throughout the day. And when someone brings it up, I'll go, "Oh yeah, yeah, I was, you know, I know something about that." And so I think the live component. Is something I hope does not go away because I think it's one of the most valuable aspects of radio, uh, but even TV and other things. Well, Tyler, I really appreciate you coming on because I think that this has been an even better discussion than I thought about, um, you know, that it was going to be diving more into, um, you know, just the, the the ins and outs of how radio works and how it's it's changing. Um, other than tavernvoices.com, of course, um, where can people keep up with you? What's the uh, what's the best way to see what you're doing if you're not, you know, conveniently in the uh, Wilmington market? Yeah, well, TylerCrawley.com, and that's uh, C-R-A-L-L-E. And so now you are one of the lucky few that can pronounce and spell my name. Uh, TylerCrawley.com, that's pretty much every day. Uh, the hours of, you know, my three hours are posted every day with interviews. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, if, I'm, if I find the time to write an article or blog post or something else, uh, it'll be there on the website. Uh, so that's one of the ways. And then you can always, I always follow me on Twitter, like I said, at Tyler Crawley, Facebook, Tyler Crawley. I mean, those are the ways, uh, but the website kind of has everything. So you can go there and check it out. Uh, and it's got sort of reposts. So if I post something at Tavern Voices, it'll also be on the website. So it kind of, it's kind of my, my hub and uh, everything is on there. So that's, that's the best way to, to keep up with me. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, thank you for joining me, man. This was fun and we should definitely do it again. Um, you know, obviously people can listen to Tavern Voices, which we try to do weekly. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I, but I like this format slightly different because we're not just talking about news, um, kind of dive into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of, um, of what's going on in the industry. And I, I like that a lot. Well, I, th- and, and what's interesting is it's a lot of changes are, are happening. Uh, like I mentioned, the Ben Shapiro thing, and a lot of things are going to be happening. So, you know, to continue sort of, you know, revisiting this, um, I think it's, there's, you know, every time we do it, there's going to be something that's happened that's either proven what I said correct or I was wrong. And so uh, we're starting to see some of these major, I mean, this Ben Shapiro thing could be kind of big um, or it could fail. And then that will tell us, was that a good thing or not? So there's good, there's a lot of things that are being tried out there right now. Um, and so, I think revisiting this uh, is definitely a good, a good, a good way to to sort of know what's going on and know kind of what the future is going to, you know, uh, be about uh, for those that like to listen to talk radio or podcasts. Well, that's what we need to do is have a um, a spreadsheet that people can bet on which one of your predictions will come true. <laughs> 
It's <laughs> always a horrible idea. <laughs> See what the Vegas odds are on the uh, the podcast industry. But uh, thank you again, Tyler, and um, I will uh, talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you coming on. All right, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it, man. <laughs>